Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, one final thing before we jump into today's episode. Uh, Sports Renaissance Man. That's me. Sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. It is a daily newsletter um, where I cover all kinds of uh, great sports content, personal essays, uh, links to full episodes of this very show, um, Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports, NFL, NBA, college football. I write about it all. Boy Meets World. Yeah, you can find all of it on the Sports Renaissance Man newsletter by just going over to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com com type in your email today become a subscriber if you like listening to this show i think you might like reading my work as well combination writing podcasting two of my favorite things and you can find it over at sports renaissance man dot dot com check it out today also check out chase podcast.com new website looks great all kinds of great links check them both out bookmark them sports renaissance man dot dot com Type in your email. That easy. That simple. Do it today. And then chasethomaspodcast.com as well for all the links, full episode notes um, about the show, how we got started, who I am, if you're not familiar with the Chase Thomas Podcast, and just me, Chase Thomas, um, outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, local, Atlantan, um, and all that good stuff. All the information you need, chasethomaspodcast.com. Then email me, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. For any questions, mailbag stuff, anything for me or my hosts each and every week, co-hosts each and every week, Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from knoxville tennessee everything school hq ryan the hair's grown back he goes away for a couple weeks he moves the hair grows back he he just he hey lots lots new uh for ryan shepherd of rocky top insider ryan how was your vacation my vacation was great ozark mountain for beautiful played some uh some nice golf courses over there ate some good food so no no complaints for me okay what was the best thing you ate i had a bison steak for the first time fantastic okay. it was like the size of my head but it was fantastic there you go bison's good i've had bison there's a good spot in oak ridge that has like all kinds of game meat um they have like all kinds of stuff uh um buffalo mountain grill i think is what it's called okay over there in oak ridge but they have a lot of good game meat so uh, i like that place a lot uh also here surviving his 21st birthday in oxford mississippi it's always college football's jack foster jack how was uh how was the birthday weekend? How did it end up unfolding for you? It was great. Um I can recount most of Friday night, so that's a good thing. Yeah. And uh it went well. And then Saturday watched the UFC fights, so it was a very good weekend with the friends down in Oxford, so I can't complain at all. What'd you get? What was your first legal drink? 
Okay, you're gonna laugh, but um, <laughs> I got a Jaeger bomb. Oh, how was that? It was good. It was good. I was um, you know, I was uh, someone recommended that to me who yeah, I valued their opinion. I was like, all right, let's do it. So it was kind of a thing. So I got okay. the Jaeger bomb. It was good. Go to beer after that. Did you mix in some wine? What was what was happening here? <laughs> um, throughout most of the night, I stuck with rum and coke. So okay, yeah, rum and coke. not too bad. But I, there you go. Uh, had a daiquiri right. or two here and there, so you know. And a what near in there? Daiquiri. I'm sorry. You had a daiquiri after a shot. Like, what was your <laughs> stomach like in the morning? A daiquiri on a Friday night. What do you mean you had a daiquiri? What kind of daiquiri? Yeah. Um, it was pina colada. Yeah, it was. It <laughs> what? was like it was like an hour and a half afterward. What? I've never heard of anyone starting their night with some Jaeger bombs. Then, like, you know what this night's missing? Uh, a daiquiri. Like, Dude, a daiquiri. Was, look, man, I was going with the flow. And like, did you throw whatever. up at all? No. Good for you, man. You got an iron stomach. I just don't. I yeah. Like that's always been a thing for me. I just don't throw up. Like, okay, that's that's what you should have led led with here. Yeah. Because any other person who's going daiquiri multiple drinks in, I mean, you're gonna be in for some 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 problems in the wee hours. <laughs> Is uh, what's gonna happen there? I would have thrown up just after the Jaeger bomb. So <laughs> my stomach's so weak, I would have gotten, I would have gotten straight to, uh, straight to throwing up. Speaking of throwing up, uh, <laughs> I, I can't even transition to something. What transition? And speaking of throwing <laughs> up, uh, um, Ryan Shumpert, you had something you wanted to lead off with here tonight. Are Are you ready yeah. to grab the mic here and uh, give me some great Tennessee content that I can clip together uh, for the Tennessee masses? Yes, I am. And I actually had forgotten about this, but uh, I'm glad you, remind, you remembered and brought it up. And look, we've done a lot of talking on this podcast over really over the last, I don't know, six months eight months, uh, especially the last three months. Uh, discussions about how Tennessee's offensive line recruiting needed to be better, mm. especially offensive tackle, how Glenn Ellerby wasn't getting it done to be on the hot seat going into this year. He's a great position coach, but if you don't have the talent, if you don't, you're not inheriting Darnell Wright, that only gets you so far. Well, all of a sudden, Tennessee came out of maybe not nowhere at the time when they actually landed Bennett Warren this week. But as of six weeks ago, seemingly came out of nowhere to get them to think of Bennett Orton's recruitment, and then they land them, and all of a sudden you look up in Tennessee's offensive line class. It's not perfect. You probably would feel better with one more definitive tackle body in there. But all of a sudden, it's really, really good. And they went to Texas and got Max Anderson, a four-star. They went to Colorado, Gage Ginther, a high three-star. It was one of their top targets, got him. William Satterwhite over Clemson when they bounced back from missing out on Ronan O'Connell. So with as much maligning as we have done uh, on, for Glenn Ellerby on this podcast, uh, he certainly, I think, deserves his flowers, deserves, I think, a five-minute round of applause is what I said. I don't think we have to do that for the listeners. I don't know how much we'll, how many of them will stick around and listen to the rest of this podcast if we do that. But Glenn Ellerby with a huge win. And like I've said on here, I thought Bennett Warren was kind of the most important remaining recruit on Tennessee's board. And Tennessee won it against some really tough competition. Do you feel the same, Jack, that Bennett was the most important remaining target on Tennessee's board? Or would you say it's like a Cam Franklin or Williams Winery? Well, I think the thing with Bennett Warren was it was so new. So Cam Franklin's been a development for a long time. So you mm-hmm. have that in the forefront of your head that that's the most important remaining piece. But when you look at just the class itself, and like Ryan mentioned, making momentum at the recruiting offensive lineman, I think you could definitely argue it was the most important get, but I would still probably side with Cam Franklin for reasons I gave a week ago, just everything involved in that and needing to finish the job there. I've always said that Glenn Ellerby was a better closer than Rodney Garner. Many people forget that I've been saying that for, uh, for years on this very show. People, uh, people forget. Um, but now it's just funny, like the just falling recruiting is bad for your health. It's bad for most people's health. <laughs> just the up and down of all of this has been very upsetting. And when you hear like uh, guys like Austin, <laughs> excuse me, Austin Price uh, talking about like this, the most unpredictable class ever. I'm like, I should just like not look at any more of this. Like when you have uh, insiders just like uh, it, it's almost impossible to fall and everything's a coin flip. I'm like, probably not great for my health. Like Mari Jefferson this week. I don't know. Like, I don't want to know. Like, he, it seems like he's Bama. Then you see uh, 
uh, some message boards folks like i know so and so at baylor and they would be shocked if amari ended up at uh, alabama over tennessee and you're like okay i just i need to not think about uh any of this and then uh cam michael popping up back on the radar is that's where they would turn if amari uh goes to bama it's just recruiting is just a wild wild thing um but we'll see uh williams winary announced that he has a uh, definitive commitment date in august we'll see with jordan ross if that could happen soon i think he got uh from john garcia a prediction to tennessee so we'll see if that ends up uh coming down the pike here but all good all across the board um first thing though because the good folks like myself the real college football sickos who have been waiting for rodney garner to be pulling up that football on a stick and just uh playing with the Rocky Top Insider music, which I prefer because Rocky Top Insider has this like uh, soundtrack in the background for all these six minute uh, practice videos. And it's stuck in my head throughout the day, but I'm like, (laughs) and then it like picks up and yeah, it's just, uh, it's great. It adds ambiance to what I'm watching. Uh, But when you just see Rodney Garner lean over, it reminds me of the uh, the Cleveland Browns offensive line coach from a couple of years ago on Hard Knocks, where the yeah, <laughs> the stomach was... yeah, the stomach turned into a football. It's uh, it's great. That's what it looks like for me for uh, Rodney Garner. And shout out to Rodney being like, I'm too old, and if Robert Ayers is going to be here, uh, Robert, you're going to be doing the football on a stick for a little bit. I'm too old. Uh, I'm not doing uh, I'm not doing that every single time. But uh, your biggest takeaway uh jack um from the first week of practice and the depth chart that we've seen with the ones and twos through uh three days here now well i haven't been at practice so ryan will have a better answer for this but you know just reading observations and you know all the press clippings about practice it's the secondary and kind of going back to what we talked about last week with ethan stone we talked about the you know who we think is going to emerge as starters in the secondary and who could have a big year. Andre Turntine seeing reps with the first team was surprising to me. Um, Danico Slaughter seeing first team reps at cornerback was not surprising to me. Um, that just, you know, affirmed what my thoughts of how he was going to fit in with Tennessee this season were. Um, and then, but really just Turntine and uh, Brandon Turnage too being mm. on the first team, because I felt like he probably was going to be behind some other guy, be behind some other guys, but evidently he's still in the thick of it for a, uh, you know, competing for a starting spot. Yeah, I think Andre Turrentine popped the most to me here, um, too. When you look at it, Ryan, I mean, is that just maybe they're giving some reps just in case things go south uh, legally with Tank McCullough? Or do you think it's a real thing that they're just like, hey, he's got to he's got to prove it. He's got to earn it because it's I mean, Andre Turrentine's now been there for a little bit. Wesley Walker, it feels like that's safe. Danico Slaughter at corner is safe. But I mean, probably Tamarion McDonald at star is safe, but it does feel like um, Andre Turrentine has a legit option to start and to be at least be in the running um, for that spot. Is that what you've gathered this week? Uh, Yeah, definitely. And I I think that probably has to be the biggest surprise. And look, it's like four reps that he was in 11 on 11 when not wearing pads on the first day of practice. When they know the media is watching. So I don't want to buy too much into Mm. it. And I think that's a good point with the McCullough legal situation. But at the same time, like, even if that's the case and they want to get other guys experience, Andre Turrentine wouldn't have been my first guess for who was playing at at safety. And Mm. he was a guy that I was excited about a year ago because he was a big time recruit coming out of high school, spent a year at Ohio State, transferred in. But he didn't really come close to playing any meaningful football for Tennessee last year. So uh, it was a big surprise for me, but I think at the very least, again, I'm not trying to, you know, read too, too much into it, but at the very least, it's an interesting development. And as I kind of said, look, Jalen McCall, it's good to have his leadership. It's good to have his experience back there, but it would be good for Tennessee if that experience was not playing 80 snaps defensively a game, playing 20, 30 snaps, and someone could overtake him. Uh, because unless all of a sudden in his fifth year, he just finds a different gear. Uh, he's the type of guy Tennessee. If Tennessee wants to improve uh, upon their pass defense, upon their secondary play, uh, you want some other guy, younger guys overtaking McCola. So just from what you've seen this week, Ryan, do you think uh, Turrentine is ahead of Christian Charles? I mean, it's hard to tell from any – the only thing we've seen this week is that. And yeah, he was running first and Charles was running third team. So I would say so. But to your point, like I would have definitely guessed 
Charles would be ahead of him. And right. he's a guy that I've been excited about, or at least intrigued by the possibility with him back at safety of him kind of making a run uh, into the starting lineup or at the very least uh, just playing a lot more minutes or a lot more snaps. I think the other major surprise outside of Brew McCoy looking like he shedded a lot of weight and looks shredded. Like Brew McCoy looks like he's poised for just a, a gigantic season, final season here with Tennessee. But I think the other one was Gerald Mincy running with the twos at left tackle yeah. and that it looks like it's going to be Jeremiah Crawford and Dane Davis uh, manning the two right tackle spots um, out of the gate here, right? Like, have you found, like, is that just something that Mincy just doesn't want to play right tackle? And it's just, we'll see what happens between him and John Campbell. What, what is there, what, what happens here, uh, Ryan? It's hard to think it's not, you know, some degree of Mincy's really struggled at right tackle or he doesn't want to play there because it really feels like John Campbell's entrenched as the starting left tackle. And it felt like you're going to have a position battle again last offseason or last fall camp is at the left tackle spot, now at the right tackle spot between Mincy and Crawford. And those are two guys that have been pretty similar. And, you know, the one year that they've each played extensively at Tennessee, I know Crawford played a little bit in 2021. Uh, so, you know, I don't see Dane Davis really pushing Jeremiah Crawford. So all of a sudden, if Mincy, they just ruled out him working on the on the right side at all, and he's going to be at left tackle, I'm sure there'll be competition there uh, between Campbell and Mincy. But it's really hard not to see Mincy winning, or excuse me, not seeing Campbell winning that left tackle job. And on the contrary, I'm sure there'll be competition between Dane Davis and Jeremiah Crawford. But it would be really surprising if Jeremiah Crawford isn't the starting right tackle. So all of a sudden what we've talked about is maybe the biggest or one of the biggest position battles of fall camp, I, I think has very much been doled down if that is the case. And Mincy's going to be working a left tackle all camp. That'll be interesting. I mean, is it weird that I might feel better about Crawford and Dane Davis at right tackle, Jack? Why would you feel better about that? Because I we saw Mincy at left and like, mm -hmm. obviously Joe Milton being a right-handed guy. Like I, I, value left tackle a little bit more anyway sure. and we saw jeremiah crawford at left tackle i mean what he did in the alabama game was great um the throwing up at just point like he was the dude's already a legend in that regard but he holds his own and if he can hold his own in that right spot and dane davis we just know he's gonna play some like that man is gonna be 37 years old still getting some <laughs> smart snaps uh for tennessee we're like is that dane davis still extra points yeah. yeah like he's gonna be doing something so shout out to him for being at tennessee for 35 years but um you look at mincy i think if because campbell like he looks like a million bucks right now he's entrenched as a starter but i think mincy if he you feel a lot better about left tackle if mincy's okay. actually good being the backup left tackle for the year because then you're like hey if campbell does struggle or something we have somebody in mincy who did do enough last year that you're the season's not like in disarray if uh campbell goes down or campbell's not what we think he might be right right yeah unknowns are scary and campbell's an unknown for tennessee yeah. and mincy showed that he may not be you know he, all sec caliber or anything like that but he can play left tackle and he can mm -hmm. play it pretty efficiently so pretty well so knowing that you have that security blanket at left tackle that's a good point and that's something i hadn't thought of um just because with mincy being a starter last season now moving into this season it's kind of weird that he's not earning first team reps but if they're confident in J.J. Crawford on the right side, and Campbell's got this tremendous upside, and he's in great shape, and he can just, you know, he has a higher ceiling maybe than Mincy. Then this offensive tackle battles for each side is probably the best-case scenario with Mincy being that backup left tackle, I think. I think so, too. Um, the Smoky Grace. This is something I've been thinking about because we saw that rumored leak, which I don't think is true that just came out like i don't i don't think that's true i think it would have come out tennessee would have addressed it if those smoky grays with the weird orange at the front were real um jack do you like the smoky gray football uniforms not baseball not basketball because I, I don't think rick barnes will ever bring those back as long as he's roaming the sidelines for uh tennessee are they actually good are you a fan of the Smoky Grays? Not the white helmet versions, not anything else. The Smoky Grays we saw last year. Are those actually good uniforms? Big fan. Okay. Big fan. I love Smoky. I actually think it, of, of all the alternate is, it is 100% my favorite. I like it better than dark mode. Um, really? Yeah, I do. <laughs> wow. I know. Jesus face. Whoa. So Whoa. Funny. 
<laughs> I take it over. I take it over orange on orange too. Oh, that's this good. is unbelievable. This Jack is. I mean, oh my god. Apologies to the Tennessee fans watching who just fell out of their chair uh, <laughs> with this take. This is an unbelievable take. Orange on orange and dark mode. The dark mode with the black helmets. You're going smoky gray. Yeah, I am. Ryan, are you also going smoky gray over orange on orange? No, I have I have the dark mode and orange on orange above smoky gray. Smoky gray is the least favorite, my least favorite uniform Tennessee wears. It's not mm. awful. It's not awful like the Adidas smoky grays or like the <laughs> the what you were alluding to the smoky grays that were in, in Dick Sporting Goods or something like that. Mm. Like it's not as bad as those, but it's like to me it's mid at best. I look. I don't think the smoky grays are bad. I like them in a vacuum. Like they don't look bad. They're just fine. And the thing about the smoky grays is Tennessee has some elite uniforms next to them. Like it, the dark mode was just top notch. Like the actual dark note, black, uh, black and orange is top I'm notch. Afraid, I like dark mode, but I'm afraid it's going to get totally overdone in the next couple of years. Oh, for sure, because it's going to be a favorite. Like you can tell by like how many kids like are wearing it and recruiting stuff and everything else. That's I. Yeah. If Hypel asked them every week, like, what do you want to wear, and like there was no um, rule on how many times they were allowed to wear as a uniform, they're wearing dark mode every single week. They're like, uh dark mode again. Like, dark mode again and it's like hey guys I, what about this uh, nah, dark mode again the underrated one I hope they do yearly was the Pat's Summit orange on orange with the with the light blue that looked very, yeah, very good for cool. yeah definitely I would do that every year I, but I don't think they're I doing like it right home, like home, homecoming game yeah year. I think that'd be good I, well, I know that'd be good too I know last year was like the first year every team had some sort of summit blue in their uniform yeah um, you know football included with basketball and all that stuff. So I don't know if that was just a one-off or mm. if that's just going to continue. So, yeah, I mean, it was like spun or, you know, pitched as like 50 years of title nine when it happened. So I know that's yeah. the reason they initiated it this year, but I mean, I think everybody liked it. So I would hope they would bring it back and, you know, for a, one game a year, every year. Again, I like the homecoming idea. Yeah. Let's go. Go. Uh, Jack, when you look at the linebacker depth here for uh, Tennessee, this year as we continue on our preview series is it better than a year ago who are you most excited about and do you think tennessee actually might get elite play at linebacker this year i think it's deep um i'm more excited about the depth this year than i have been i don't know if it'll be better than this year last year i don't know if i'm ready to say that aaron beasley has to take a pretty good step and i think he could um he was a menace against clemson but and i like keenan pilly so the starters Beasley and Pilly have a lot of upside. Um, certainly Beasley, of course, you kind of know what Pilly is being a you know old guy in the room. But I'm just really excited about the young guys. I think Elijah Herring still has a lot of potential that we haven't quite seen yet. Arian Carter is my favorite freshman on Tennessee right now, and then Caleb Perry. I mean, he's looked good in practice. He looked good in the spring. Obviously, of course, I haven't seen him in the fall yet, but he's looked good when I've seen him. I think Carter and Herring are more talented, but though it's five deep in my eyes and. It's one of the it's the position group on the defense I'm most intrigued to watch, probably. Maybe not the one I think has the highest upside or the most excited about how well they can do, but I'm the most intrigued by. That's fair. What do you think, Ryan? I'd I echo a lot of what Jack says. I mean, even before he said it, intrigued was the word that comes to mind. Uh, I do think it can be better because I think I have a lot of confidence in Aaron Beasley to take that jump that Jack was talking about. I just think he got a lot better last year and he was playing his best football at the end of the season. I think it's logical to think he can make a jump. And uh, I think I wrote somewhere or some, something like that. Maybe I said on another podcast, but if I had to pick somebody on the defense, who's going to be all SEC at the end of the season, it would be Aaron Beasley. Uh, I think he's going to have a big year. You know, Keenan Peely is a great plug guy to have some veteran leadership, kind of to buy your time for the young guys. But yeah, I mean, it's hard not to be excited about them, especially Herring and Carter. Herring, I thought, was pretty good when he played some real snaps last year. I mean, he played in real big moments in games. Didn't play a ton of snaps, but they had trust to put him in. I think he's gotten bigger. I think he's going to be really solid. And then Herring Carter is, I mean, he's a monster to look at. Like, you sit there and you see Elijah Herring at practice, and you walk, you're like, man, he looks good. He's added some weight. Like, he's stronger. And then Aaron Carter goes up and stands beside him. And it's like, this kid's a junior at Alabama. 
he's, he's not a freshman at Tennessee. I mean, he is just massive. And uh, again, that type of stuff, the eyeball test uh, isn't what gets you on the field. And I'm not, I know I'm not smart enough of a football brain to watch them go through drills and say Aaron Carter's going to be a starter. But man, I, I just think he's a really talented guy who's going to push for some playing time. And when you have Beasley, I think it's going to be really good. You have another veteran piece who isn't a stud, but is going to be solid and, and a lot of talented young guys. I think that's a, a good mix. And but it's crazy to see con- considering where Tennessee's linebacker room was two years ago. And barring any injury, here's what I think will happen. After Virginia and Austin P. when Aaron Carter and Elijah Herring see more meaningful snaps and more meaningful playing time, of course, in garbage time, I think by like week five, you know, you'll look at Tennessee's linebacker room and be like, you know what? If worse comes to worse and it had to be Elijah Herring and Arian Carter every week, it wouldn't be that bad. Like, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I and mean, it'll probably never have to happen, of course, because Beasley and Pilly are going to start all year. But that's my confidence level with Herring and Carter. I think Carter's... it wouldn't be like Solon Page and Jawan Mitchell. Like, <laughs> exactly. If you had right. to do that, like, that would have been that's... disastrous. Well, I yeah. think that's the other Tell part of it with Keenan Peely. Like, part of the reason people are buying in on Keenan Peely, I think, a little bit more is because he got the what what award did he get for being a leader basically in the spring? They gave him some kind of um award this this offseason for how he's come in and competed and all that kind of stuff. Here's the thing. The dude had serious knee problems. He tore his ACL. He's was okay last year like a lot of this is just kind of projecting that he's going to be closer to what he was two years ago at this point um Jawan mitchell also came uh into the university of tennessee kind of like people were talking themselves in oh plug and play veteran stopgap like it's easy to forget because Jawan mitchell didn't go great uh by and large uh but he'll always have that pick against kentucky where he was in the right place at the right time uh, after that Danico hit like so that was that'll probably be the coolest moment for juju here in Knoxville, but the way I look at it, I would be surprised if Keenan Peely is still starting next to Aaron Beasley by the end of the year. I think there's going to be a lot of rotation just across the board on defense. You don't throw Aaron Carter out there to begin, but my guess is we're getting Aaron Carter and Aaron Beasley um, as the two, as the the starting linebackers by the end of the year. Um, I don't know when it's going to happen, but my guess, because they rotate and because of Keenan Peely's injury concerns and just what Arian Carter can be right out of the gate. I just think you're going to be looking for answers uh, later on this year, and I think he's just going to be someone who's probably just too good to to keep off the field. And also, can we get Elijah Herring some gloves? I, I see him, war- like, in all these practices, his arms are just barren, and it drives me nuts. I can't... It's like batters who don't wear batting gloves. I can't stand it. It's so aesthetically uh, appalling. We need to get him some gloves. Like, we need to get Elijah Herring some gloves. And he's got this weird face mask that doesn't work for a linebacker. Everything about Elijah Herring's aesthetics drive me nuts. X on the face mask, X on the lack of gloves, X on the lack of an arm sleeve or something. We got to add something to Elijah Herring because it doesn't work for me. It's an F all across the board. And he needs me specifically to come into the practice facility when who can forget that I made this point in the group chat. Why are we practicing indoors when it rains a little bit when we're trying to beat the University of Georgia? Because if any of us can speak to anything, it's that the Tennessee Volunteers lost to the Georgia Bulldogs last year in Athens because it rained in the second half. Many only, people forget only that. Only because of the rain. Yeah, that's it. Only because Not of like the rain. like it was 27-6 or anything. No. And as we agree unanimously on this very podcast, specifically Jack Foster of Always College Football and Ryan Shepard of Rocky Dub Insider tweeted them primarily or no exit them um yeah. this is post it them repost <laughs> we, we we're already practicing indoors what are we doing hype we gotta we gotta be outside we gotta be out in the rain we gotta remember the titans it what is this uh what what are we doing here we need to be uh we need to be doing that um all that to say is it crazy to think that Aaron carter could be the uh it, it will be well, a starter by the end of the year my question is and this may be you know, just simple-minded, but when have we seen, you know, Tim Banks and this coaching staff on the defensive side of the football put a lot of trust and in, trust into a true freshman? Have we seen I don't seen think it they've had all? a choice though before this. Like the linebacker room has been awful. And it's, you know, like they really, really haven't had many options, and I think he may have been more likely to throw some guys out. Uh, but in even the last beyond the linebacker room, can you think of anybody? Well, I mean, I would say my rebuttal would be 
most of like the big time recruits they've brought in have been defense alignment. And yeah. Tennessee's had at least decent depth there, and that's the hardest spot to play right away. And call it, I was going to say the SEC, but college football as a whole is the line of scrimmage. Uh, I would be more inclined to listen to that with William Martinez and the defensive backs because I'm not even talking about freshmen. Like he just seems to always play the veteran guys over uh, the young guys. But I mean, that's a fair point. I think Carter's the most ready to play of any defensive freshman they've had since this staff has been here. I don't think that's a crazy take, Chase. I don't think that's like definitive either. I think it would be good for Tennessee. I think that would be a really encouraging sign. I think Keenan Peely kind of is what he is. And they Tennessee hopes that's solid, but I think at the very least he's going to have some limitations. And Carter as a whole is ceiling. Maybe not this year. We'll see this year, but is in the long term. In the next few years, his ceiling is way higher. He's just like the thing about Peely is he doesn't. I don't know outside of gobbling up tackles, he actually does well. Like I don't. I'm looking through everything. He doesn't get interceptions. He doesn't rush the passer. He had no sacks um, in 2020 when he had that really good year. Um, zero sacks, zero forced fumbles. He had one fumble recovery. And then you look at that. Cause that was a big year for him in 2020 last year. I mean, he had 29 total tackles, uh, for the year. I mean, we'll see, but I don't know, man. I, I, I think there's been way too much of a, like Keenan Peely solves this gap and we just have Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely for this year. And I'm like, I think there's a possibility that Keenan Peely is going to get passed by Aaron Carter sooner rather than later. That's my gut. Well, even then, like, I think you're talking about a little too oversimplified. Like, they only play two linebackers. They would love to play four linebackers consistently in games. They have played three consistently and kind of have worked in, even last year, a fourth and a fifth when you talk about Paige and Herring. Yeah. So, they're going to play four guys. Keenan Peely's going to play. Oh, for games, sure. Whether he starts or not, uh, even if he gets overtaken, he's still going to be in there playing, you know, 30 snaps a game. Yeah. I just think he gets overtaken. That's a good thing for Tennessee, by the way. If he gets overtaken, that means yes. Aaron Carter is uh, going to be awesome for three years here at the University of Tennessee. Um, Final thing here uh, on Tennessee football before we hit some basketball and baseball real quick to wrap up. Um, early lines are out. Tennessee minus 28 against Virginia. Over under is 58 and a half. Goodness gracious. Um, Tennessee seven and a half at Florida. 13 at home. Minus seven against AM at home, plus nine and a half at Bama, and plus eight and a half against Georgia. Ryan, when you look at those early lines that are now all out, what jumps out to you the most of that group? Probably South Carolina, honestly. Like mm. that I that line was really big. And you know, I thought that would be a game since you'd be favored by by a touchdown at this point. But man, two touchdowns, like that just feels like oh a lot, a lot of points. So I think maybe just like the stark difference in all those games of how much it seems like in some of it's the location of these games, but how much it seems like Vegas views Tennessee as not in the same caliber as the top teams in the SEC, but clearly better than the middle of the pack teams. I think that just like stark difference is probably the thing that jumped out to me the most. But if you're going to say a single game, it would probably be South Carolina. Do you think it's too low or too high? Too high. Too high, yeah. Oh, I mean, I thought it'd be like Tennessee seven and a half, eight. Even at home? Even at yeah, even at home. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would have put it around eight and a half or so. Definitely hmm. more than the touchdown, but double digit win. Eh. Yeah, like full two touchdowns. Like if it was ten, I would have been like, okay, that's a little higher than I thought, or ten and a half. Right. I guess. it's a little higher than I thought. But that's not crazy. Sure. Fourteen, it just felt like a lot. I mean, I, I would do Tennessee twenty and a half better than South Carolina. You would. I'm not kidding. Like that's Weren't a game that I, the last two games have been blowouts at home. Just because the best just, chance they lose besides dude, Georgia and Alabama. I think this game is an absolute bloodbath. Like I don't like you look at it when I forgot Hypo when he was asked, uh, Ryan, you, uh, I don't know if you remember this, which where he was when Hypo was asked about this. He's done so many quick interviews lately. Um, but when he was like, I think someone asked him like, do you, what hurt more the, or what do you think about more the Alabama loss or the Alabama win or the South Carolina loss? And there was like no hesitation. It was a South Carolina loss. Like it was one of those where I just, it stuck with him and every like body around the program seems to think that's the game that circled of like, this is uh we remember how that game ended last year. Certain Shane Beamer antics during that game. Uh, what that loss meant to last year's Tennessee team. 
I mean, what Tennessee did two years ago at home against South Carolina. I don't know. I just, I think this one might be one of those where it's just going to be a blowout, maybe back and forth, depending on who's home. Like I would just, I would go higher. Like if Tennessee wins that game at home, they're absolutely winning that game by more than two touchdowns. Like that's not going to be a two touchdown game. I would be floored if it's only a two score uh, game in Tennessee. Was. It's a strong floored. word. Floored. Floored. South Carolina is a good team. It's not like they just caught. I wouldn't say they're good. They're okay. I'm I'm Chase. I was in your boat for a long time. I'm starting. To, I'm starting to come around on Shane. Oh, Not that God. I think he's going to be oh, like. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, Dylan Stewart. It's time to recognize Shane Beamer. Like but he, they're recruiting well. He's he has won more games each of the last two years than I thought he would, and he it hasn't been ugly. Like I've been okay. This is ugly. This isn't. It, you can't continue to do this. And maybe maybe that will prove right. But uh, at some point, you got to tip your cap to your ability to win games. However, you can do it and. It's what his dad did for a long time. And again, I don't think he's going to be great, but I think he's going to have South Carolina relevant and, you know, not a just easy pushover game. Till he At least leaves. year after year. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I don't know how long Beamer's in Columbia, but if Spencer Rattler like builds off of what he did those last three games, there's no way Tennessee wins this game by two or more touchdowns. It is August 3rd. Like Rattler completely flipped who he was he around. Great. And he this game like is going to be 59 to 23 max, like 23 max for South Carolina. It is going to be Missouri. It's not for 2021. Yes. It is not going to, it's not just going to be copy paste from 2021. It's not going to happen. It's going to be worse. I'm not kidding. Like I, it's going to be worse. Like I, I am a large sum of money with you about Tennessee will not beat South Carolina, but more points than they did in 2021. They are going to, humiliate South Carolina at home. Like it is going to be one of the biggest blood. If they lose, especially to Florida right before that, the, uh, the anger and the beatdown. Cause like Tennessee is not losing to Florida and South Carolina early in their schedule. That is not happening. None. Like if that happens. We have like, it's just disaster central. Like we're in some real trouble all across the board. I'm losing my mind. It's gonna be great content. I'm firing everybody. I am going to be <laughs> off the deep end where it's like, get th- this is some absolute nonsense. I'm calling into Tony Basilio. Like I am doing whatever I got to do. I'm st- like, look, I am doing whatever I've got to do to write the ship because I am a company man, a university man through and through. But like, I am so certain outside of beating Kentucky, I am so certain that Tennessee wins this game. There are two games in the calendar, actually three that I'm, Dead certain Tennessee wins. It's Missouri, okay. it's Kentucky, and it's South Carolina. And Vanderbilt doesn't count because we all know. Like, okay, yeah, like Vanderbilt, we know. But those are the three that I am 1,000% certain they are winning all three. Like, clip it, whatever, South Carolina fans, I don't care. Like, this is an absolute blowout. Like, just put it, Dowell Logans can come in here and try and run this offense that he's going to run against Josh Heupel. When Josh Heupel wins big at home, he wins big at home. Like, it gets ugly in a hurry. This game will get ugly in a hurry. And guess who will not play well from behind? South Carolina. They can't get in a 21-3 hole against Tennessee. That's not an offense that can play back and forth like a Tennessee can. It's going to get ugly. If Tennessee wins that game, it will be ugly. And it will be ugly because Tennessee is going to win that game. I would set the line at 20 and a half. Way too conservative. Way too conservative. You know that's uh, absurd. You're just saying that. No, I'm not. Like I, we saw it two years ago. We, we I predicted South Carolina to beat Tennessee last year. I predicted every single game correctly whoa, on Tennessee. Whoa. I can't. I don't know about that one. But what do you mean? Whoa. The tapes are there. The tapes I, I, are there. You, I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't know what you think. Somebody not as good as Tennessee to beat Tennessee. Oh my God! No, it's not true. It's on the full ride with Matt Green. We've talked about it ad nauseum. It's on record. It's out there, Ryan Shumpert. But again, if it wasn't on this podcast, I can't. Yeah, well, that's your fault for not listening to other shows, which bad podcast co-host. But anyway, like you look (laughs) at this where, look, guess what? I predicted it exactly right. 10 and 2. I said they would split Georgia and Bama and lose to South Carolina. 10 the year. Predicted it. You said it before the season. Before the season. Yeah. That's a little different than going into that week and saying South Carolina is going to win. Oh, hundred percent. Very different. Okay. Yeah. It's very different. Like this year, here's the, here's my, here's what's happening this year. 
just go ahead right. and book it. Like right, I am right here, August third. Guess, guess who knows? Chase Thomas knows how Tennessee season's gonna go. Guess who knows? It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Guess what? They lose to Florida. They lose to Georgia, and they lose to Alabama. They go nine and three. And then I think they lose a bowl game because I think they're going to lose. I think this year Florida, finishes nine and, four. Going nine and three. If they lose to Florida, they're not going nine and three. Well, we'll see. No, they won't beat a and I'm sorry. Who if they lose to Florida? They're not a good enough team to beat a and I deserve the benefit of the doubt. Ten and two, perfect record last year. Many forget. You were. I mean, you you were on it last year. I I don't mean to take any of that away. That's exactly what just happened here, Ryan. I have the tapes from two minutes ago. You were trying to take things away. You can't just say, I don't mean to take any of that away. You yelled at me and said, you didn't do that. I didn't yell. I said, whoa, I don't remember you because when this is... Jack, what is a whoa very loudly? Is that a yelling? What is that? This is Big Orange Friday. Yeah. And on the Big Orange Friday program before the season... I remember you saying Tennessee will go ten and two. They'll beat one of Georgia and Florida, or they'll beat one of Georgia and Alabama, and they'll lose to a team they shouldn't. You, I, and I'm not saying you didn't say they will beat South Carolina on another podcast. I'm not saying that, but don't act like I'm out of my mind when you you're acting like you said it to my face. You didn't say it to my face. I don't know. I, it might have. It could have been at Litton's. It could have been uh, like it could have been at an Oak Ridge football game. I don't know, Ryan. I can't keep track of everything I say to you at all times. I, I'm uh, like you're the daytime well, reporter. I, I can I can I can keep track of most of it, and I know you didn't say that. But to your again, as I was trying to give you credit, you were <laughs> at the very least of what I know had the exact premise right. If you're not lying to me, which I don't think you are, don't I'm not accusing you of lying. If you're not if you're not lying to me, you had the complete. Jack, have I ever said right. that you were my favorite podcast co-host on a Tennessee podcast on the Chase Thomas podcast? Because if I haven't before, disrespectful to Ethan. That's disrespectful to Ethan. <laughs> Well, Ethan, where is Ethan? Do you, you see Ethan, your, Ryan? You Do you see Ethan? You where is Ethan? Where's Ethan Stone? It's the hardest working man in the Palmetto State, so that's true. I don't want to hear. He's preparing for Big Ten to add like five teams by <laughs> morning, so he's got. <laughs> yeah, he's got I just four hours ahead of him. Oregon, Washington, write-ups already. Like yeah. I, I, I'm just imagining Ethan doing like the Kermit the Frog gif, where he's like on the typewriter, just <laughs> typing frantically. <laughs> I was thinking the Kermit the Frog picture where he's just on the bench with the. <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking as he's trying to get ready for for Big Ten expansion content. Oh my god! Um, well, anyway, um, unbelievable the disrespect on my own on my own <laughs> show here. The un- unbelievable disrespect, and Ryan just not even listening to what he's saying when he's attacking, and just I don't. <laughs> I'm not yelling. I'm just shouting woe at you. Ridiculous claims. Um, the the people heard it. The people heard it. Um, Jack, what about you? What was the biggest one for you? Is it is it South Carolina? Um, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that one's high. Ryan made a good point on it. Um, I thought no, he didn't. A&M was high too. I thought A&M was high for Tennessee. I figured that line would not be a touchdown. Uh, really? Yeah, I would figure like five and a half or so. Can I do um, Chase? Can I do my Chase Thomas impression? <laughs> Tennessee's not yeah. losing Texas a It's not happening. It oh. is. It's not See, ha- this is a crazier take to me. Being this uncertain, being this certain about AM and not South Carolina is very strange. So many, things, hey, so many things played in Tennessee's advantage in this game. Josh Heibel, absolute beast off buys in his career, seven and one. Mm. Two of his biggest wins at Tennessee. They decimated LSU last year off the bye. And then two years ago, they went into Kentucky uh, off the bye and won. And the offense was phenomenal. A&M, three straight SEC games, coming off Alabama. Really bad spot in the schedule for A&M. Really good spot in the schedule for Tennessee. At Neyland, probably going to be an afternoon or night game. Tennessee's winning that game. That's good points. I don't hate this take. I feel better now. And I think A&M, A&M could be pretty good. But like, it's not like a me, I don't think A&M's good take. I do think A&M could be pretty good. I mean, they're probably the but, biggest swing team in the SEC from floor to ceiling. But Tennessee's winning that yeah. game. But we're talking we're talking spreads here, Ryan. Mm. So the seven yeah. No, no, that's, that's true. Yeah, I don't. I hate that take. I mean, I think t- I'm picking Tennessee to win that game too, but I just thought mm. seven was maybe a little high. And why is um I know it's in Tuscaloosa, and I know the Georgia game's in Knoxville, but Alabama shouldn't be favored over Tennessee by more than Georgia. I would disagree. I would do like seventeen and a half for Alabama. <laughs> See, okay. I can't I can't have a logical conversation with you if you're gonna do these absurd. I am not there's not a game I'm more certain that Tennessee is losing than at Alabama this year. 
Like you can just put that in stone. Like whatever. If you bet on Tennessee at Alabama this year, you're just throwing money away. Like that's just one where I'm like, absolutely not. It's not happening. We're not beating Nick Saban back to back okay. here, especially on the Reddit in Tuscaloosa you with that deep. So- no, it's not happening. It's gonna be terrible. It's gonna be like twenty-seven can- to ten, and Tennessee <laughs> just—it's it, just gonna be awful. I can I, still see Tennessee beating Alabama more than I can Georgia. Wow, still. I that, don't. I mean, Alabama's quarterback play could be really bad. Like they could just be holding on. I just don't think it matters. I think they're and they just get gonna... all the big games at home. What if they just eat by, eat by, eat by, and then Milton they did it last two. year, and they still only lost two games by a combined four points. Yeah, but they have freaking Bryce Young. Games. I mean, I don't know. I think the defense is gonna be elite. Got Tyler I think Buck. it's gonna be damn and, good. And I know they're changing their offense. Defense is gonna be better, but like. Nick smi- Nick Saban was smiling, walking out of his presser. Like I just, I'm terrified. I, that's the oh, game that I'm just like. I, Alabama's gonna win. There's no doubt in my mind. But I, th- I still would be more confident in Georgia beating Tennessee than Bama. I don't know. Like the Georgia thing to me. Like here's the thing. I'll make this claim. I don't know if y'all have heard this yet. I'm st- I'm planting my flag here. Here we go. Tennessee beats Georgia if they have three losses going into the Georgia game. Yeah. Like if they have are having the season from I, hell. I like this take. It's a good take. And. They've lost to Florida, lost to AM, lost to Bama, and then they go into the Georgia game. Georgia, guess who's not get like Georgia gets up for the big ones. They got up for Tennessee in a big way. They get up for those. You know who they didn't get up for? Mizzou on the road. Like that's the one they don't get up for. So it's like if Tennessee's having a down year, if Tennessee has stumbled a little bit, that is the absolute recipe for Tennessee to have a lot better talent than they had two years ago when they were up after the first quarter uh in that one. Like that's the recipe for Tennessee beating Georgia at home is them actually being unranked and being having three losses and kind of having uh, a rough go of things, all things considered. That's that's the way Tennessee beats Georgia is if they're not on Georgia's radar at all. But if and they are gotten... and they're undefeated or they have one loss, they'll be undefeated. The, wait, is the Ole Miss game before Tennessee? Week before, right? Oh, no, I'm saying if Tennessee is. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 I guess. Yeah, I don't want that. If it's a top five, top ten matchup, right. I mean, I'll be there either way. It's going to be great, and I'm just going to be losing my mind either way and really getting in some Georgia Bulldogs' face. The the amount of obnoxious I'll be. No, I'll be the most obnoxious for South Carolina. Like, the South Carolina stuff, I'll be pretty obnoxious. I I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to be pretty outrageous. It's going to be pretty I can believe it. Ryan, where do you win? I believe it. No, I mean, I, I'm, I like the Alabama-Georgia debate specifically. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think Alabama. I'm mm. not I'm not punting on Tennessee's chances of winning that game. I mean, mm. I don't think they will. You're with me. Okay. Uh, I was like you, Jack, like that. Besides maybe – besides Florida and the Georgia lines, every single line, I was like, I'm surprised that's not at least a couple points less. Mm. Either way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. But I do have a tremendous – Tremendous lack of respect from the college football media to Nick Saban and Alabama this offseason. I get it, but it's tremendous. So I do want to thank Chase for his service of not throwing more positive rat poison to the Alabama football program. So I, I respect the take, but I I still think that's more likely than uh, Tennessee beating Georgia. I'm out here giving us uh, a fighting chance by being like, look, I think Bama should roll. Uh, pardon the pod, yeah. uh, the Vols uh, in Tuscaloosa personally. I think they should do it. Uh, how far is Tuscaloosa from Knoxville? About four and a half, five hours. Eh, it's a little bit longer than I was hoping to hear. Atlanta's three and a half. Uh, four and a half, four is a little too long for me. Yeah, you gotta go go to. I think Birmingham's about four hours, and then mm. I don't know what game day traffic looks like from Birmingham to Tuscaloosa, but that's typically like a forty-five minute drive. If there's not game day traffic. Mm. Jack. The case for and against Freddie DeLeon starting for Tennessee for the full year. What is it? Case four is that he's a stud. Um, you know, he's he's a really talented player, and you know he can he's a good ball handler. Uh, he's not a natural point guard or anything like that. But early in the season, I think you could definitely see him starting point. Um, after that, it just depends on how he performs early in the season once Zakai comes back, and we could still see Zakai. We talked about this last week. Going to a bench roll, I don't subscribe to that theory. Mm. Y'all kind of flirted with it last week. I think Zakai's a starter no matter what. But if DeLeon is just, you know, really, really good out there and is passing the eye test and flying colors, then, you know, there could be a scenario where you're looking at it and you're saying you cannot take Freddie DeLeon out of the starting lineup. 
but I think he has to prove that early in the season when he does start with Zakai sideline. But the case for is that he's just a really good athlete and a really good basketball player. And, you know, Tennessee's backcourt depth is good, but it's not out of this world. So you could definitely see him, you know, taking over starting role at some point. Interesting. What about you, Ryan? Do you share that sentiment? I do. I, I think he's going to have, I think there's a great chance he starts to start the season if Zakai isn't healthy or isn't fully ready to go. But he's going to have to like prove, be really good where you can't take him out of the lineup. I just don't. Santiago Vescovi is going to start at two. I have a really hard time thinking Jemai Meshack's not going to start at three. And it, I see, again, I think I've said it on here before, I see them using Frey De Leon as the offensive spark plug off the bench, kind of in a lot of ways Zakai was two years ago when Kennedy Chandler started. Uh, so if he's just so good in the starting lineup starting the year, you can't take him out and he's the team's best scorer, then yeah, he's going to be a starter. But if he's just the third, fourth best scorer, you know, good player, but not just, you know, all SEC guy right away, I think it just makes more sense for him to come off the bench. It really comes down to this. There's no scenario where Zakai and Freddie start. So it's one or the other. Yeah, I guess with Vescovy, there's really no path. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I... My guts, like, does it mean that Tennessee's better if Freddie DeLeon ends up being the starter? Are they a better team altogether if Freddie DeLeon proves himself and is worthy of being a starter? Over Zakai? Mm. Does that mean they're better? Not necessarily. I mean, in the way me and Jack just phrased it, yes. But I don't think that's, it's probably in its whole complexion as simple as that. I mean, Zakai was in and out of the starting lineup last year, and he was clearly Tennessee's best point guard, so... Uh, I could see a scenario where Fred DeLeon does end up starting, uh, but it's not, you know, just purely as simple as him being the best player. But, yeah, I mean, probably, I guess, is the answer. If I kind of meander around it, I don't know. I don't have a good feel for that. I think he's going to start. Like, we've seen Barnes is totally fine, Bree, and still might just be more comfortable as a guy off the bench. And I still might be in that camp of, like, I may just prefer Zakai to come in three to four minutes into a game. Um, I mean, what we're going to see, I just think Zakai's, I love Zakai. He's protect him at all costs. Like they did this adorable, uh, birth, happy birthday song to him in Italy this week. Like, Zakai's like the heart and soul. And I want him to be a Tennessee volunteer forever. Like I'm a big Zakai guy, but like, there is just such a strong part of me. That's like, I think I would still rather him come off the bench and still be the first guy off. And and I'm not saying that's like dumb or anything. I'm just saying from what I've seen, Zakai is definitively a better point guard than Fred DeLeon. I don't know if he's a better player than Fred DeLeon. Yeah. And Fred DeLeon has been, you know, capable the times I've watched him run point guard, but it just it can get a little erratic and can get a little wild. Maybe he can tune all that down and get that in good feel and touch by the season, but uh, that just would be a little bit of concern for me. Um, Final thing here. Uh, guys, Jack, when you look at uh, the rotation here um, going into next year, Luke Holman picks Alab- or picks LSU, rather. Chase Burns now at Wake. Are you at all concerned with the Tennessee rotation going into next year? A little bit. It's, And I think I'm concerned because I've gotten used to what it's been the last two years. And, you know, there was concern about day three going into the 2022 season. Blade Tidwell being hurt and Drew Beam obviously being a true freshman, but those those concerns were quickly dashed as Drew Beam was just a stud to start mm. the season and he never wavered until halfway through the season. So going into this season, just because of what we've seen the last two years, I'm a little concerned about that day three role. I am not concerned with AJ Russell. I don't see why anyone would be just because he hasn't had a bad outing in a Tennessee uniform. But that day three role, you know, Nate Sneed is limited in what he can do. He doesn't have a three-pitch arsenal or anything. I think Frank Anderson's going to work with him. And then Wyatt Evans, even more concerned there because he's coming off of injury. Now, I think Wyatt Evans has great upside, and Ryan can speak to that as that's his guy. But, yeah, that day three starter is certainly up in the air and a little bit of a concern. What do you think, Ryan? Were you surprised that Holman didn't end up at Tennessee? No, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I think Tennessee was in the thick of it, but again, I mean, it was. I can't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was never like some consensus that Tennessee was like the leader there. You know, I never heard anything more than visit went well. You know, they feel like they're in the thick of it. So I wasn't surprised that Holman went to LSU in the slightest. Um, Yeah, I think the way Jack phrased it in the sense that like, I'm concerned 
that starting pitching might not be one of the best two staffs in the country like it's been the last two years. But I'm not concerned in the sense that, like, Tennessee staff's going to be bad or a shortcoming. Like, I'd be shocked if it's not a top 15 weekend staff in the country. So they got to figure things out. There's going to be a lot of competition there. You know, just naturally, the odds say it's not going to be as good as it was the last two years. Um, but I still think it's going to be good. And I think they have enough arms that are capable of being good weekend starters. And you have one guy you know is going to be uh, your Friday night guy in Drew Beam. It's going to probably be a first-round pick next year. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to be able to figure it out and be in a good spot. Final thing here. This is my favorite. This is your version of the Austin Price uh, 50, the percentage points on recruits. We're going to do this uh, tonight on this very program. Starting left fielder on opening day is who? Okay. Got to wrap my brain. Yes. Into, yes. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Dryling. Yeah. Dylan, Dylan Dryling and left. Okay. okay. Center field. Hunter Inslee. Okay. Right field. I'll go Reese Chapman. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Third base. Billy Amick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you can move Simo to outfield now. So, yeah, I'll go Amick. Shortstop. Ryan Schumper. Chameleon <laughs> to hard question. One of, the, one of the freshmen. I'll go Dean Curley. So, you don't think it's but... a Juco? The Juco guy, and I'm blanking on his name, that they brought in is, like, he's tiny. He's, to me, it's another – all these guys, you just feel more comfortable if you could ask them to start at second base. So, you know, maybe my – I don't actually think this. Maybe my out-of-left-field answer would be Christian Moore. I, I mean, I can't imagine that Christian Moore is not going to get every single opportunity in fall to prove he can be the starting shortstop. Because hmm. um, to Jack's, you know, question about the Juco – it feels like you're better, you know, better suited to try to put him at second base and not short. Okay. So where, what's your answer? You're going the freshman. One yeah. Of the freshmen. Dean, one of the freshmen, Dean Curley, but I mean, I'm just, you know, pick it out of picking straws out of the hat when you're talking about the freshman. Okay. Jack, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I got to watch, I got to, you know, see the fall reports and stuff before I can make an educated guess, but it'll be a Juco or a freshman. I don't think anybody could make an educated guess right now just because you haven't seen what they can do. So, yeah, but it Agreed. will not be a player. Dean Curley looks big. Tennessee is he a shortstop? How big is, is Dean Curley? Six, three, one ninety five. He's, He's a huge. Big okay. I'm okay with Dean Curley. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I mean, the, the reason I went Dean Curley was literally because of his size. I mean, Grimmer is a big guy too. And then the other shorts, high school shortstops are all guys I think that are better suited to play second base. Okay, I'm watching all these. It just he a lot of Von Grissom energy here, Dean Curley. A lot of Von Grissom here. Okay, I'll allow it. Dean Curley starting shortstop. I'm okay with it. Also, is there any possibility that Jazlov or Kendro can be back, or are both? They both committed to other schools. So. Jazlov to Austin P. Oh, I didn't realize oh, uh, no, Kendro Pitt. Uh, Arkansas yeah. State. Where did Kendro go? Pitt. Pitt. Oh. Didn't know that. Um, second Ryan base. Miller in Ohio State. Doesn't that sound fun in February? <laughs> Lovely. Goodness gracious. Uh, second base. Simo. It's Simo, yeah, and if, Cimo. if he goes to outfield, it'll be Amick. First base. Burke. Yeah, Burke. Okay. Catcher. Peebles. Peebles. Cal Starch. Cavaris. Yeah. Is there any chance it's not Kavaris at DH? Yeah, if he plays outfield. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, if he plays right. outfield or... Who's the odd man out in this scenario, then, based on what we Dal just did here? Dalton Bargo, Missouri transfer. Mm. Does yeah. he stick around? Yeah. Okay. What was the he stick around question? I mean, like, does he, like, what? what's the point? Does he have time? Can he re-enter the portal does if he he's not... Chris Ludlum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Can he pull <laughs> Chris Ludlum? <laughs> It's just like, like Dalton Barco's to be listening to, to us clowns talk on a podcast. They'd be like, oh, they think I'm the mediocre man out. I gotta go from the portal now. Can't stay at Tennessee. Well, Jack Foster I... and Ryan Schumer don't think don't think I'm gonna start. I think I'm the tip guy to start the year. Can't go to Tennessee anymore. What was that question? 
I hate you, Ryan. You've just been ridiculous tonight. You're just going at me multiple times. Uh, like, you go on vacation once, just, and you just was, come back I as a bully. Befuddled. You what? He's so befuddled. I was just befuddled by the question. I really, yeah. I, I was, I was just trying to figure out what you meant, and then I can't prove to your point that I'm a bully, so I wouldn't say anything else about that comment. Also, we know Tony V's got. You've got Tony V's number. Like he's a fan of the program. Like, what if you got a text from Tony V after he should just transfer, huh? What if you got that text tomorrow? Would that not be one of the funniest Tennessee moments? That of would all time? that would be very very funny. I would also be confused what Tony's doing, spending his time in minute 57 of this podcast he's just listened he's just listened to the whole thing wait chase don't you do metadata he can just fast forward i was gonna say i do do metadata i do do timestamps okay yeah he'd only need about seven minutes here he only needs seven minutes to catch up and he's like shit i guess he's out like i gotta go text my guy and see to make sure that he's all right look it's just ryan and jack it's uh, it's nothing stick with us we'll be all right griffin Merritt was in and out like look stay with us you never know that's right yeah mm. there you go jack foster what can the go check out from you over at always college football and rocky top insider this week um yeah i got three shows out already this week for always college football a lot going on and you know, Greg's just a guy that wants to talk ball, so it's paining him a little bit to have to do all this expansion stuff. But it's it's a necessary evil. So a lot of expansion talk. Um, looking at year two coaches this week on Always College Football. Um, follow us at Always CFB. Our socials are growing, so that's exciting to see. Then over at Rocky Top Insider, man, Ryan and Rick holding down the fort for now with fall camp, doing a lot of good content over at RockyTopInsider.com and all socials at Rocky Top Insider. Football season's almost here. It's It's college football season month. We're 23 days away from week zero. Tell me it's leather in Dublin. Let's go. Oh, God. Who's the Dublin game this year? Navy and Notre Dame. Most exciting game of the season. That's going to be ugly. Uh, Ryan Shepard, what about you? Rocky Top Insider and all of your pieces you've got cooking, like you're on the sidelines, you're you're checking out who's fit, who's not, who's practicing well, who's in first string, who's in second string. Are you already tired of it? Or are you still enjoying the whole first 45 minutes of uh, practice every every day well we got 45 minutes one day we oh. were back down to our 15 to 20 today which is what will be the rest of the camp uh, yeah i mean the first day seeing 45 minutes felt fantastic um i wouldn't say i'm past it yet mm-hmm. i'm not just like over the moon but i'm not past it give me another week i will be once i've had to write like seven practice observations Trying mm-hmm. to find different things of them doing drills and throwing routes on air, I will be. But yeah, plenty of stuff from that. Plenty of stuff from us talking to the coaches and players every day. Uh, had some good stories on, on some of Tennessee's freshman newcomers the last two days. Emmanuel Okoye and then uh, the defense alignment talking about playing for Rodney Gardner. And then Tennessee basketball, uh, you know, set out to write a pretty simple what to watch for piece uh, as the team embarks on their three exhibition games in Italy. I just love college basketball so much that I end up writing over a thousand words of what I'm watching for. So wow. if you're a college basketball freak, that's probably going to be our least read article in RTI today <laughs> because no one cares about uh, exhibition college basketball in the middle of football fall camp. But if you're a freak, go read it. And we'll, I'll be, I got the flow sports uh, subscription uh, this evening. So oh, uh, I'll be watching dedication. the games and, and writing, oh. writing stories on uh Vols versus the Lithuanian under-21 team twice, and then maybe Stella something. Some uh, Italian club league team uh, that they play in their third game on Monday. Make sure it's to expense Italian. that. Is there a good Italian player in the NBA? Can't think of one. I'm sure there no is. No one comes to mind right what, now. What is uh, that? What was that player for the Hawks? Uh, last name started with a G. Was he Italian? When they no, made their... Danilo Gallinari. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gallinari. I forgot he's still in the league. I was like, is Gallo still in the league? Yeah. Marco Bellinelli is someone. That's Bellinelli, who I was thinking of. Yeah. I was thinking of Belly. And then, obviously, Andre Bargnani. Oof. 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 That's that's rough. Yeah, that's about it. I'm looking at some of these. No, Andres Nocioni. Now, that is a uh, guy. Not, that is someone I've not seen in a long time. Let's remember some guys. Dudes love Pablo Prigioni. <laughs> Remembering some dudes. Uh, I mean, I'm wearing my Atlanta Hawks, Kirk Heinrich uh, NBA jersey. Who can forget? 
Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta Falcons are great. Jack Foster, Ryan Shepard, always a pleasure. Thank you, and I will talk to you all next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.